0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson, and this is the Weekly Newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories from the Moab area. A new residential and commercial development down Cane Creek Boulevard continues to spark controversy in town. I spoke with Sophia Fisher of the Times Independent about the public's response to these plans.
1: There was a huge uh, turnout, actually, at the Grand County Commission's January 16th meeting last week. There were well over 100 community members who poured out of commission chambers and into adjacent hallways and lobbies to speak out on and protest this forthcoming development down Cane Creek Boulevard.
0: Yeah, so they broke ground in December, correct?
1: Yeah, they've been clearing land on the lowlands by the Colorado River and then also bringing infill um, from the mesas from their property on the other side of the road down to those lowlands to increase the grade.
0: Yeah, and so this is like a really ecologically rich um, and beautiful place. There's a lot of outdoor recreation that happens down there. It's very close to the river, obviously. What are some of the main concerns with these people who are protesting? What are some of their yeah main concerns?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think there were a lot of people who didn't even know a development like this was possible, was legally possible in in uh, this river corridor. I um, mean, that's due to a rezone actually approved by Grand County back in 1992, which caught a lot of people by surprise when they learned about it. You know, according to legalities, developers could develop, uh, could create over 2,000 units on the land. Um, I spoke with one of the developers, Trent Arnold, however, and he said they're planning on only building about 580 residential units and then also commercial space. So um, at least residential unit-wise, it's about a quarter of the allowable density. Uh, That's one of the big concerns, though, is still, you know, that's still 580 units in this currently almost undeveloped river corridor. Um, Other Things that people are concerned about range from impacts on wildlife and dark skies and noise, you know, to changing the character of this kind of undeveloped area. There are concerns about water and, you know, could this development flood? Is it just going to eventually flood? Some people certainly think so. Um, and their concerns about archaeology, I mean, you know, the road to uh, King Creek Boulevard is not in great shape right now. And people are concerned, you know, even if it's brought up to standards, there's still it seems like only one exit and entrance, essentially, you know, from the forthcoming developments. So that's something that came up in several conversations as well.
0: Yeah. Did you attend the meeting on January 16th? Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. So what were some of the highlights? What were people saying at that meeting?
1: Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of, I think, very emotional comments from folks who feel like this is also a representation of changing Moab and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of wealth sometimes from outside the community that's having an impact on people, you know, the housing crisis certainly came up. You know, not that this is taking housing away from people, but people are expecting that the residential units here aren't going to be affordable or available to anyone locally, anyone making local wages. That was a big concern. Um, you know, it was a very, you know, I think there was like high energy and high emotion. Um, there was applause after almost every public comment, but largely people kept it quite civil. And there was a very wide range of commentary from folks making, you know, kind of scientific observations to people even turning around to try to address developers on Zoom by facing a camera on a certain angle. I mean, all sorts of um different things there. Overall, a really interesting meeting to attend, though, and and people did keep it quite civil overall. Yeah,
0: and did the developers respond to any of those comments?
1: Yes. Uh, So one of the project partners, Tom Gottlieb, made his own comment during Citizens to be Heard. Um, You know, he acknowledged the comments and the passion that he heard from the community. He said it was really good that they are seeing this community discourse. He outlined the development as quote, thoughtful and respectful, and said it could be a way to help kind of repair an ecosystem down there that he said has been abused for decades and overrun by trash and debris. Uh, Gottlieb also said that he and his project partner share a deep commitment to Grand County and to its people. Um, So yeah, they did provide commentary there.
0: Hmm. Are they from Grand County?
1: No, none of the three lives here. Uh, One of them is from Utah, however, uh, Craig Weston. Okay,
0: curious what they mean by like restoring the ecosystem by massive development, but um, they can say whatever they want, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, they've talked in the past, including in an ad, actually, that was in our paper about how they're going to work on, I believe, removing invasive species and then having a native plants nursery. I think that's those are things they've referred to before.
0: So were there any actionable sort of steps taken at this meeting, or was it kind of just an airing of grievances?
1: It was an airing of grievances, and then the county commission also heard a presentation uh, from Grand County, the Grand County engineer and the head of planning and zoning just about like what the current status is and what the previous, um, the previous interactions have been with the developers. The next action item that will come before the Grand County Commission is going to be the consideration of a conditional use permit, which they need for a wastewater treatment plant that they're planning on building on the property as well. So Elisa Martin, the head of planning and zoning, said that should come before the commission in the next like month or two.
0: Okay. And so if they can't get this conditional use permit for the wastewater treatment facility... Will they be able to go through with the project?
1: I think from what I've heard, I think it's kind of debatable. I, I think there could be ways if they don't get the CUP to either challenge it or to still go forward with it. So I'm, I'm not entirely clear. I also know that if the Grand County Commission were to deny it, they'd have to give very specific reasons why about, you know, why there were negative impacts from this permit or what the permit would allow and why those impacts couldn't be fairly mitigated. Yeah. Um, so it could be wading into a legal situation there as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, because it's my understanding about this issue is that it's a little bit too late to sort of do anything. This, the land has been purchased, it's zoned for overnight accommodations and residential and commercial use. Sorry, is that actually true? Yeah, so uh, good, <laughs> okay. actually
1: a point on that. That would be good to clarify. <laughs> According to Trent Arnold, one of the developers I spoke with, he said that the property has pre-existing approvals for 102 overnight accommodations units in like the campground uh, zone or, or section. So that could be camping or glamping. Um, so that could be up to 102 units. He said they're not planning on applying for any more. Um, so there could be, and it sounds like there probably will be some overnight accommodations, but it won't be entirely or even a majority overnight accommodations in in my understanding. Okay, so it's
0: mostly residential and commercial use. Yes, okay. in my understanding, yeah. The land has already been purchased. It's already been grandfathered in as zoned for commercial and residential use.
1: Yeah, vest, vest. Right? The project is vested, so vested. I know that you can't like change the land use codes on them at this point, basically.
0: Right, yeah. right. Is it too late? What have people been saying?
1: Yeah, so actually at the meeting, commissioners did make you know some comments after the presentation from staff and Commission Vice Chair Kevin Walker said that he thought it was probably too late to affect any change on this development. Um, a good quote from me from him. He said, if it were a basketball game, we're down 20 points and there's six minutes left to play. Um, you know, some citizen comments kind of disagreed with that and said that they still think there's a really good opportunity to push back against this development. Um, but we definitely have heard from some officials who say that, you know, the project's been vested for several years. The zone change was several decades ago. You know, there's already a ton of investment in this development. They're they're pretty deep into it by the time they start doing earthwork, you know, out there. so. Um, but we'll see. There has been a lot of community outcry about it. You know, the most I've seen since I since I moved here. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see if that will you know sway the developers in any way. Even if the development doesn't necessarily go away, maybe it could change still. And
0: yeah. Okay. We're also here with Gwen. Gwen, what else happened this week in Moab?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The
2: county approved its first overnight accommodation in about a year and a half. That is the Glampine Eco Resort Entrada Moab. That's that will be at the intersection of Highway. 313 and 191. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. So, do they have a, a date for when they're going to start construction? Do you know any of that information yet?
2: Sure. It should be about a year and a half to two years, said the developer, Matt Carius. Um, the development still needs to submit a site plan and receive plot approval before it will be built out and go online.
0: Okay. Do they, do you know at all like what that's going to look like?
2: Or how many overnight
0: accommodations they're going to have?
2: Sure. So it's going to be 16 units. Um, they are glamping tents, and they're all, there will also be a swimming pool, an adventure center, and trails on the site, as well as um, five um, on-site employee housing units and a conservation easement, so land that won't be developed at all um, and will be deed-restricted in perpetuity. Okay. Yeah. Um, is this at all related
0: to any of the other glamping companies in Moab? Is it like an offshoot of those? No, I okay. believe
2: it's separate from all of the other glamping resorts that exist. Yeah.
0: Okay, so 313 is on the way to Island in the Sky, and it's kind of like a really beautiful area. Have people been upset about this?
2: Yeah, there were some public comments voiced during the county commission meeting, and this has actually been an ongoing process. It's been going on for about two years now. Um, when he first Uh, Matt Karius first presented his proposal for this development Um, and when it went before the county commission in the past they denied it and kind of voiced um, that they would be interested in looking at the proposal again if it included housing units for employees and this conservation easement. So he kind of came back with this proposal that's been improved to kind of meet uh, meet the demands of the commission if you will. Yeah,
0: (laughs) okay. You know, it seems related to what we were just talking about with Cane Creek, and has anyone in the public been, like, averse to this new glamping site?
2: Sure. I think the conversation at the county commission meeting Mm -hmm. last week was kind of colored by the discussion around Cane Creek. There were a lot of people in the room that were obviously opposed to the Cane Creek development, and it kind of cast a shadow on this, uh, the Entrada Moab project. One resident did voice concerns about the fact that the plan is, uh, he said, rife with contradictions. He noted that the uh, proposal says that it's going to, um, that it's conservation minded, but it includes two swimming pools, for example, um, and also that um, it kind of serves a billionaire class. Um, the Uh, projected average daily rate of this uh, development will be $2,000 a night. Wow. So quite high. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Why have there been no other approvals for overnight accommodations since 2022?
2: Sure. So the the county um, began a moratorium on overnight accommodations in 2019. So they kind of slowed down or they they, uh, stopped um, approving overnight accommodations in 2019 for six months. And then they kind of extended that um, by... Um, they required developers to go th- directly through the commission to receive approval. So every um, overnight accommodations overlay has to be approved directly by the county commission. And they've approved two others in the past four-ish years. Um, and they're both um, small, uh, I think, uh, they're, they're both small developments that are very far from Moab, both close to the Colorado border.
0: Okay. Yeah, so it seems like this one got approved because it was meeting the requirements of having staff housing, and it's also this, like, smaller site, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And the moratorium was meant to slow down these overnight accommodations, but not to completely stop them. Um, And that was, you know, one thing that Commissioner Mary McGann noted, that um, they— that, in fact, they had promised that they wouldn't entirely stop them. And when a good opportunity came for an overnight accommodations, that they would grant that.
0: Okay. Gwen, you had a story that you wanted to share with us about rural obstetrics.
2: Sure. I wrote about rural obstetric units. They're closing across the United States. But I was kind of wondering why not in Moab, um, which still Moab Regional Hospital has um, an obstetrics unit. 64 babies were delivered at Moab Regional last year. Um Yeah, a December report from Chartis, which is a healthcare consulting firm, stated that 267 rural hospitals stopped providing obstetric services between 2011 and 2021, which is about 25% of all rural um, hospitals.
0: Wow, that seems like a really crucial part of a hospital system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are driving pretty far to reach hospitals, you know, in the case of Moab, if the obstetric unit was to close, you would have to drive most likely to Grand Junction about an hour and 45 minutes away.
0: Yeah, and so what did the hospital have to say about this? How are they able to keep their obstetrics unit open?
2: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Really, it's a commitment to service to the community. It's a choice that they make, even when it's not profitable to keep an obstetric unit open. Um, they also have a really interesting model that's unique. They um, keep five family practice doctors that specialize in obstetrics on staff and four full-time nurses. So there's always a nurse on um, on call to deliver a baby at any time. Um, and that's different than a lot of other rural hospitals that utilize medical surgical nurses or med-surg nurses um, who deliver babies on top of all of their other responsibilities. So um, one thing that Tiffany Butler, who is the manager of that unit, um, told me was, you know, it's really important to keep your skills up when you are delivering babies and this kind of helps them stay fresh and um they're, you know, always available to deliver a baby when one comes into the world. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's
0: really great. That's so like heartwarming that they have such a robust unit at the hospital. Um something you said was that it's not always financially viable for these units to stay open. Does the obstetrics unit in Moab make money or at least break even?
2: Yeah, Jen Sadaf, the CEO of the hospital, said that it kind of fluctuates from year to year. It's hard to say, but really, at the end of the day, it's just a choice for them to keep it open and a choice that they want to continue to make.
0: You just heard from Gwen Dilworth and Sophia Fisher, reporters with The Times Independent. Find more stories at MoabTimes.com. And special thanks to Gwen. This was her last newsreel with us before she leaves her fellowship at The Times Independent. We're doing things a little differently for the newsreel moving forward. You won't be hearing interviews with the Moab Sun News, but you can still find their reporting at moabsunnews.com. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes on our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.